Coffee Conversations about Influencer Marketing is brought to you by Influential, a strategic consultancy that takes the guesswork out of influencer marketing for your brand. We provide much-needed strategically crafted frameworks on how to implement influencer campaigns specific to your brand needs. Welcome to the Coffee Conversations about Influencer Marketing podcast. Today we chat to Deshni Govinda, award-winning digital marketer, about the value of collaboration in the influencer marketing space. Currently, she's the head of Channels of Influence at Draftline AB and Bev, and she gives us a sneak peek behind the curtain of how influence marketing is done at the alcohol giant. Before we listen to today's podcast, please remember to subscribe and share. Without any further delay, here's the episode. Enjoy. Hi, Deshni. Thank you so much for making time to join us today. I think just to start off, can you please maybe tell our listeners um, about yourself, like who you are, and also what does it actually mean? To be head of channels of influence. What a weird term. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for having me on. So excited. I'm an avid listener, so this is great to be on. Oh, thank yeah. you. Hey, no worries. Um, you know, I always try to like keep this like within a tweet, you know, like let me do this bio within a tweet. <laughs> end up rambling because there's so much to say. But essentially, you know, I, I would say I'm a, just a digital person. I've been in this industry probably about 10 years now, which is kind of showing my age. I started off in music <laughs> back then, I would say, with the early influencer type days. Um, did a good spiel um, in the agency world, you know, did a lot of like, you know, brilliant basics, understanding the world. And then I moved over, pivoted to consulting, which was quite exciting. And now I'm in the corporate space. So I always say I've, I've seen every every angle of the board, if you can imagine. Um, and now I'm in a really interesting space, which is channels of influence, or as everyone knows it, influencer marketing. And essentially here, maybe ah. InBev, our approach to influencer marketing, we, we deem it channels of influence, which is influential people, partnerships, and platforms. It sounds like a great tagline, I won't lie. <laughs> it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we are at the cusp of some very exciting, you know, um, elements. And I think data is just very central to everything that we do. So, yeah, I know we're going to dig more into it uh, today, but that's just in a snort, short snapshot what I'm about and where I'm at in life right now. Very cool. You've obviously kind of done everything in every angle of, um, on the influence marketing, which is marketing and digital in general, which is amazing, which means you you kind of know, kind of anticipate what every kind of genre needs, which is great. Yeah, I like that you mentioned that because often I find, you know, I'm advocating for, for different elements. So I always use this cheesy line, like I understand the culture and the columns, you know. So like when I'm with so-called influencers or just the creative guys, you know, and they really want to break into corporate or pitch into brands, I'm often explaining to them, this is how we need to approach it. And then obviously now being in corporate, but when I consulted and when I did a stint even at Accenture, it was just about helping the organization, or should I say corporates, understand how best to be relevant in culture. And I always find myself dancing between the two, which is quite exciting because you really can ready both parties to work together in a more, you know, um, in a in a more exciting manner, but also purposeful, so that it doesn't seem like it's a struggle. No, absolutely, and I think that's so important, just um, to get everyone on the same page as well. And people learn from you, so that the corporate guys understand the creatives a little bit better, and the creative guys understand corporate a little bit better. I mean, win-win situation. Exactly, and hopefully, my biggest motto in life is each one teach one. And my 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 one answer. Mm-hmm. You guys, please, can we just pass the knowledge on? Gatekeeping stuff is just not where we need to be in life. It's so 2010. I'm with you there. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you at AB and Bev Draftline, which brands do you specifically work on? Yeah, no, uh, I mean, everyone knows our brands. I mean, these are global brands. And it's quite interesting because the way the nature of influencer marketing, at one particular week, we could be working on all the brands. And the next week, we could be, you know, drilling down and probably focusing on Budweiser. But I do think that, you know, in its essence, 
having this whole so-called in-house channels of influence excellence team just provides guidelines right so when we work with partner agencies we understand the lens of which ab imbev wants to kind of funnel their influencer marketing and mm -hmm. In, on it directly, we are very clear as to our global counterparts. So, for an example, when you look at channels of influence in in New York versus Brazil to to London, we all show up in our own way due to localization of the market, right? But there are specific way we approach it, and and that's what I really love about us. You know, kind of um um having that kind of in-house council of excellence. We're just really helping everyone define what good looks like purely because it's such a it's such a space where anything goes you know it's 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 very very different to what we thought influencer marketing was many years ago oh absolutely i mean it's not even been around for that long and when we started or became aware of kind of the first kind of online influences was what around 2011 2012 in south africa which was just bloggers really and it's now moved to being such a variety which is amazing Exactly. But, you know, the one time that kind of frustrates me, and I know I always see it on LinkedIn, people would say, oh, you know, the influencer bubble has burst. And I'm like, yes, right? No. But it doesn't mean that what's come out is a bad thing. Everything needs to evolve, right? So when I think back to my consulting days, I think this probably was about maybe four or five years ago. That, that was when I, I probably started my experience specifically with, within the alcohol vertical. So I've worked in spirits during my time at Diageo. I've now had enough beer experience. So I think like, you know, when it comes to the alcohol space, I'm quite well versed. And I remember working on reds and brutal fruit. I mean, back then we were bringing the Kardashians down, right? Back then we yeah. did one of his first deals. So we didn't call it influencer marketing. We were simply looking at a channel that was very creative, new, disruptive. Now we have the terminology. So you're quite right. I think we all have been doing influencer marketing in some shape or, or way or form. It's just that now it's a bit more structured. So yeah, it's quite exciting. And I think the brands that we work on, you know, there's proudly local brands like your Castle, uh, Castle Lager, Castle Light, Black Label. But then you get the big global brands brands like Corona, Budweiser, you know, these are brands that when you, you look at how your other markets are showing up, so like, for example, you know, in New York, you're like, wow, you know, it's so interesting to see how they approach influencer marketing. And that for me is what excites me in my day job, just having all these kind of like shared networks that I can learn and grow and hopefully impact our local environment here. That's what I'm also so excited about the space as well. And you hit it on the head by saying people keep going, influence marketing is dying. It's really not. It's just evolving, right? Like everything in marketing keeps on evolving. Influencers were there before social media existed. They were just are like journalists and they stole great influencers, but we didn't, didn't call them that back then influencers are CEOs of companies anyone who literally had a big presence and could influence masses of people they were influencers exactly exactly and I, I used to always use this cheesy line I would say you know yes Justin Bieber can you know uh, put out an ad for Calvin Klein jeans and then you could get a mommy blogger that would put one out and she would talk about why they're the best for example mom jeans she probably would sell mm. Than Justin Bieber because you know for a fact that even she's just got 50 people, those 50 people feel like she's a true advocate. And it's the whole depth versus width game. And we understand in corporates that reach is a major metric for us. But when we talk about our, uh, our other elements later on in, um, in our interview, I think I talk and touch about quality reach. I'm just very frustrated in the industry right now where people are like, reach, reach, great. But out of your million followers, tell me which are compliant, over 18, and a quality reach, you know. And that for me is that data set and the digital aspect that really excites me about influencer marketing. I'm so glad you said that because I'm always fighting with clients going, please don't go for the one with the most followers with, without actually checking if you're speaking to the right people and whether they are popular versus influential. It's two very, very different things. Exactly. Yeah. So we know that influence marketing basically from 2016, the industry was worth like $1.5 billion. Mm. And now in 2020, it's looking to be like $10 billion. It's actually just mind blowing. Mm. But um, 
most industries have obviously embraced influencer marketing and we can see it in the alcohol space as well, especially in AB and Bev space as well. Your brands use influencers in such great ways as well. When did you guys kind of look at this and go, ooh, this could really work for us. Let's incorporate that into our, our like always on strategies. Yeah, no, great question. You know, I, I, like I said earlier, I don't think that it was an overnight, you know, let's just all of a sudden get into influencer marketing. I think there's always a semblance of it, you know, over the years where we're like, oh, yes, you know, definitely let's look at creators, let's look at influencers and such. I joined in 2019 and I think for me, that is when I realized there was going, going to be a big step change. Um, I had just left Diageo and at, back at Diageo, we were doing a lot of influencer marketing and, you know, just kind of defining. Mm-hmm what the strategy needs to be for spirits for an example when i had joined i was really intrigued by the fact that you know this was channels of influence and again locally here for africa zone because that's where the vertical we work in there nothing had been defined so every brand team was doing influencer marketing but there was no central defined approach as to this is what it looks like and so from 2019 to all now even though lockdown feels like nine years to now like yeah a decade (laughs) we've made such great so for an example working with the legal team i mean i will unashamedly say that we have one of the strongest influencer contracts around but not in a negative way that protects the influencer as well as the brand then on compliance amazing that every single piece of our comms out there i mean we have training sessions with our influencers showing them the apps to have to put the 18 logo on their videos and insta stories right then you obviously have our partner agencies and the brand saying cool this is the activity we need to drive but then we look at it cool how do we have a great relationship with the influencers so we created a role called relationship managers where you have a person mapped to a brand to look after those influencers, right? Then we have a digital influencer strategy. I always say to to, to, um, uh, Hadley, who's on my team, he's the influencer strategist. I was like, you have such a cool job title that never existed before last year, you know? And then of course, you know, just the department itself. So yes, very much new, but the saying, everyone at AB InBev says this, we're building the plane as we're flying it. We know there's work to be done, but we're we're going ahead. We're steamrolling ahead, but we're also building the success measures and which hopefully our counterparts in the industry sit up and take notice. You know, we have peers in other verticals, you know, that have come up to and said to us, hey, we really like how you approach this. Um, how might we do this? And that for us is quite exciting. It's not very competitive in nature, rather that we grow the category and dominate in the same way yeah I love that and I think it's so crazy that in such a small space of time like you just said like new job titles just started springing up and it's real jobs it's probably going to be there forever and a day and again just evolving it's exciting you're going to look back and you know when I I go back and I'm a bit actually was very nostalgic today because I was just looking at you know kind of like how we kind of got to where we are now and one of my first jobs like moving up from Durban to Johannesburg was actually at Cerebra so shout out to Mike and Craig who gave me the opportunity and I mean I was the first community manager on Vodacom that was wild right and and like oh that's crazy I know I went through a lot but it was fun it was fun (laughs) and the thing is you know agency environment back then we defined what social media was in South Africa I mean it is and was one of the greatest social media agencies and I remember that Mm -hmm. I had inside thinking what we're doing now like we would train and stuff like that is going to set up the industry for success that same fire is in me right now I know the work that we're doing is really going to benefit not just brands in-house at AB InBev as well as the rest of Africa but also just our counterparts in other industries to say you know what this is something that's going to be around and most importantly the influencer feeling that they're protected because more than them having followers they are human beings and they are agencies in themselves and they need to know that we respect them and it's a mutually beneficial relationship outside of a paycheck and that is the core foundation of how my belief system is towards this role you know just fair and equal that makes me so excited because I think that's a big worry 
about from especially the influencer side if you listen to the conversations that's been happening over the last year they kind of like they feel like they're being taken advantage of they don't really know how to establish a career as an influencer because everyone's just doing things for free they're not signing contracts they it's just horrible out there at times so it's really nice to hear that a big corporate like ABN Bev is taking a stand and saying, you know what, we want to be partners and we want to do it respectfully with being equals in a campaign, which hopefully will then rub off on the rest of the industry as well. Yes, that's, that's the hope and the goal. <laughs> <laughs> so you spoke about you obviously work with some agency partners when you do your campaigns as well as in-house. Yeah. How do you work together? Like what kind of metrics do your partners kind of take ownership of what kind of metrics do you guys take partnership of and also what metrics are so important yeah i know i think everyone's kind of struggling with this right now and my biggest yeah is that it's, it needs to be apples with apples we can't all be chasing different metrics because it all needs to mm-hmm. add a bigger vision and i think this is why we we are excited that this is a function that sits in-house right I mean, speed and agility aside, it's just about making sure that everyone's aligned. It sounds like a very corporate term, but alignment is key, especially when you want to show up as a portfolio. So you're not just looking at, you know, for an example, um, a beer versus, well, we have an innovation department as well. So we've just launched a, a wine and a gin during lockdown, right? So you don't want that to be chasing different metrics. But I think, you know, the biggest thing for me when we sit down with our partner agencies is just understanding the brief and what is the objective? So we know this is a channel of influence, but sometimes as we see, you know, like we've just done some merch for Flying Fish, it might just be that, you know, we need to have click-throughs to the website. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just purely awareness. So once we have that very, very, you know, straightforward, open, authentic chat, because sometimes out of that kickstart, we find that, you know, maybe these KPIs need to be shifted a bit because we need to have very straightforward conversations. Then we'll move into what are our key metrics. And as you know, yes, we've got reach on the table. I mean, when I look back to my Diageo days, it was reach, reason, and impact. When I go here, it's the same situation. We just have different terminology for it. But when I look at the reach bucket, quality reach is important and not because i just want to put a stake in the ground and be a bit different right we have a responsibility as a business within the alcohol space so for me when i bring an influencer in or seven or ten we need to make sure that number one if they have whether it's fifty thousand or a million followers Almost 70% of that needs to be LDA, legal drinking age. So we have tools that we funnel all our influencers through. It will show us, for an example, influencer X has 40% of their influencer influencer followers sitting in a specific age range. Then we know it's a go. So that's kind of the first check, right? Then the second check is just making sure that the person is, as you would say, kosher, you know, no scandals around them. all of that so we go through quite an intense kind of process from that then we say okay cool each influencer needs to be in a specific bucket whether you're macro you're nano you know or you're just even helping sometimes we consult with influencers just from a creative perspective and then we attach the kpis that are rightfully so so quality reach is one thing impact is another right so when you look at engagement you can't have engagement that's across the board. So I would never want an influencer to show up in an environment that that is not innately for them. So we'll break it down by sure. Twitter, Instagram stories, Instagram. We don't play on TikTok because it's not a brand safe environment. You can't age gate. And so, yeah, we go through the motions. But the main thing that I definitely would love for people to take out is collaboration. Whether you're doing it in-house, because I know a lot of organizations now do have, for an example, you know, the brand managers adding on that task to their, you know, their role, bringing in partner agencies, make sure everyone's comfortable and clear on the KPI. And once you have that, you know, everyone's on board, it's going to make it much more easier. And the last part for me, you need to communicate this with the influencer. I'm not saying you need to go and do a big digital deep dive and bore them, but they, if you are hiring them to do a job, they need to be clear of where their strength needs to lie. And sometimes when we do that with our relationship manager, we find that they bring in other tech 
tactics that we never thought of. We see it a lot, like for example, on group recruits. We have awesome girls that are on it, and they just bring such a specific, different, you know, uh, lens to it purely because they know their market so well. So again, as you can see, collaboration is key here. I love, 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 love that you said that because collaboration, collaboration, collaboration. I feel like, please, can we make it the next buzzword in the industry? <laughs> because so often um, influencers get hired for their niche, for their talent, whatever, and that's fantastic. But they never get, they never privy to like the bigger picture. Um, they kind of get information on a need-to-know basis as they carry on during the campaign. Mm. And to be honest, if you have pulled them in and said, this is the big picture, this is what we actually want to do, this is all the other people working on it as well, more often than not, like you say, they will come up with some amazing things because they know their audience better than we do. Exactly. And you will get fantastic results. Yeah, and that and the goal for us, like in the next, I don't want to even say it's three to five years, it could happen sooner, is really to have most of our influences on longer term contracts, you know, there's always going to be, you know, those elements where you can have a quick campaign, and you need to find influencer mm -hmm. channels, so it could be as well publishers that we look at and stuff, but you know, the goal is for an example, like say with the Budweiser, to say, you know, a certain DJ, we have, you know, um, for a two year relationship, so he or she, we grow with them and that's what we do right now we sit down we ask said influencer what is your six month one year two year plan and then we build a toolkit around it and the toolkit yes there is a monetary you know element to it but for an example yeah. like last year um they were sent to tomorrowland you know a group of influencers because you can't buy that right but budweiser no. has to it so it's things like that where you really are making someone's dream come true and you're also being fair and equal in the fact that if they're going to do content they will be paid for it and again it just comes back to that point about being in the room with them well now virtually being in the room with them <laughs> yes understanding what is their plans because that's that's the beauty of being part of a big corporate having access to great relationships globally that can really help these these guys locally you know Look, that's where influence marketing is also evolving quite big into the space at the moment is that longer term ambassador or relationships. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so great because you've just pointed out all the great things about it. Your brand grows with someone else. They become kind of part of your team, like the face of your brand, whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. um, you guys kind of have a mutually, mutually um, beneficial relationship. Their followers trust them. They're credible. At some point, your brand is going to be associated with that. It's just nothing bad about it. And if you're doing these quick campaigns, you find someone who really resonates with your target market, why not grow them? Exactly, yeah. It, 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 just, it just gives you all the good feels, you know, when you do it right. Exactly. I love it so much. I'm so excited to see what's going to happen over the next year because things change so quickly. And I think 2020 saw such a huge shift that I think in the next six months, there's just going to be amazing things that's going to come out. Yeah, I definitely think the role of the influencer will change a lot. So in some markets, maybe it won't be specifically ours. Maybe it might be in the, more in the beauty space first. We're going to see e-commerce. I mean, we've seen it with Alibaba and Tmall, you know, where we have influencers who have shop parties, you know. So that will be really, really exciting to see. And I think also just this whole, um, I wouldn't say publisher mindset, but I think on the influencer side, and I chat to a lot of the guys, they're thinking about their YouTube, they're thinking about their owned platforms, their websites, Sides and mm -hmm. social media as an additional channel. So for now, I can like go in and tune into, for an example, Moosley's content and get it on demand, or AKA or whoever it is. And this whole on-demand mentality is where it is at, as opposed to okay, I might find their content on Instagram. I chat to a lot of the guys, and I've been, I'm really surprised that. They're investing money in paid media. A lot of the DJs are doing this now. So you're seeing ads, they're investing in teams, there's mm -hmm. photography. So yeah, we, we can't discount. Influencers are upping their game, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. And I think it's so important and I've been waiting for this to happen for a couple of years now because everyone's on social media, that's great. But the moment you build your audience there and you don't have your own kind of channel that you own, Tomorrow, if Zuckerberg decides to shut it down, that that's it. Yep, 
yeah. then you kind of need to start from scratch. So it's very smart of them to start thinking about owning their own channels because if that happens, yeah. they can stay still okay. They still have a platform. Most of you know that Influential is our podcast sponsor. But did you know that my co-host Anne heads up the agency? And that is the first ever boutique agency in South Africa that specializes in developing strategy for influencer marketing. Anne and the team are experts in the field and have spent years warning their skills and knowledge about influencer marketing and at some of the country's biggest PR and media agencies. The moment that you think you might want an influencer campaign, make sure to call or email them first because without strategy, you might not have the outcomes that you would like and are looking for. In addition to talking all things influence on this podcast, and also puts together the fantastic influential newsletter that comes out every month. And this is another way for you to keep up to date with the industry. The link to latest newsletter is in the show notes. Check it out. And if you like, please subscribe. And contact details are also on there. Let's keep the conversation flowing. So Desh, can you maybe tell us or walk us through one of your most memorable favorite campaigns that you've been part of so far? Sure, yeah. Like, you know, I always, like, with questions like these, I'm like, oh, I don't want a favorite to come out because everyone I love, you know. Um, so my favorite child, which yeah, exactly, one? Exactly, And so, so many more coming out over the next few weeks, you know. I mean, like, when I started, I remember the first month I started, it was in November in 2019, which seems so long ago. One of the first ones <laughs> on was, like, Republic of Extra Cold to Pass the Light, you know, just taking over Cape Town. And then, of course, Brutal Fruit has just been evolving and doing amazing stuff same with flying fish but you know one one particular campaign that really stood out and i think most of ours during lockdown were very purposeful but it's a brand that i've been spending a lot of time on it's stella artois and um you know it's it's been around in the country for quite some time you know but there is a real resurgence and energy around it and the whole life artois at home campaign was something that really resonated i mean without going too much into the detail but one of the, the main you know conversations around the brand is that it's authentic connections right over shared food and such and and noting that we brought in creators you know jay something chef and tea lorna and 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 just trying to understand you know how can we create some great bingeable content during lockdown but noting that as an alcohol company and as you know you know we were through a ban or two um, yes responsible around that and you know um there was a lot of like nuances to it but the main thing that i want to take out is that it was really tied to a save your spot campaign so every voucher you bought you know it was going to help a restaurant i mean in the end i mean it was like literally you know it was just it, it really just hits you really really like here by your heart because we saved over 500 spots but more so than that we have an ongoing relationship with such amazing creators but during that time just coming onto your instagram feed and seeing chef and tea cook from her kitchen you're not just getting the brand experience but it was edutainment you know you felt like the brand was speaking with you and not at you and there was just so much that we learned during that time obviously the end goal you know you want to say the spot but just how we treated our influencers how we onboarded them how everyone came together just to switch on this campaign for me it really really stood testament to collaboration which has been the theme of our chat today but also just localizing the brand a lot you know because just the faces we've had on and the conversation the feedback that we got and the positive sentiment really showed us and provided provided us with confidence that the plans we have now till the end of the year is right spot on what no pun intended with where the consumer wants to see this brand so yeah i really enjoyed it and sneakily if i have to say a second one i really like the brutal fruit brutally responsible i mean every saturday we would have our spritzer challenge spritzer has been doing so well but the brutally responsible was really important because when the ban was lifted it was important that each brand through their channels of influence advocated for responsible drinking and we had the girls come onto instagram but they did it very tiktok style just showing you know like what would happen if you're not responsible like you you literally could have privilege oh. taken away from you so yeah that was also really exciting for us yeah I remember following the Save Your Spot campaign and it was really impactful. And I think it resonated so well with everyone, especially in South Africa, 
because it kind of tapped into that human behavior and that human truth that was going on at the moment and probably still going, where everyone was watching their favorite kind of dining spaces or favorite pubs um, really struggle. And coming out of lockdown, a lot of them closed down. So I think people were quite willing to help if they could, which just kind of drove that campaign to be so successful. Exactly. And all the influencers, I mean, I, I, I even stopped saying the word influencers. I, I call everyone creators. I mean, I remember having conversations with Jay something where, you know, he was just absolutely, I mean, he's been in this specific food space, you know, being a restaurant owner and stuff. Knew what it meant to be impacted, and just the added effort that he brought with his team. It really, and I say this, you know, not lightly, it really was so amazing that we had the right partners at the right time. Because, yes, you can get any influencer that can be brand mapped to a passion point, but having those that are so passionate about it, uh, everyone even got along very, very well together. And so, for us, yeah, it was really a job well done, massive team effort. It was not a win alone, and it just showed all your touch points i mean radio print um social media everything came together for this one singular goal so yeah and i can't wait for you guys to see what we have planned for the rest of the year so really i think you mentioned something super super important here that also goes hand in hand with kind of tapping into human behavior or that psychology behind what we do Mm -hmm. is finding the right influencers or creators to execute you need to have people who is authentic um like a j something like a lorna who is in that kind of space and kind of can feel and kind of empathize with what you're trying to achieve yeah exactly and i mean i think we might touch a bit later on but it's so important whether you get a brief or you know it's a campaign coming up not to just and I say this to anyone listening, you know, wherever you may be sitting on the corporate side or the agency side or consulting, just don't try and do like paint by numbers, you know, really brief, understand the brand. And if you need to push back, please do so because you really need to to think about the creators or the influences that you're matching to your brand. Yes, brand passion points is one element, but you can have everyone that ticks that box, but you know, there might not even be a chemistry fit, so to speak. So we've yeah. had, like just in the last two weeks, you know, we had like a really cool chemistry session with a particular influencer, just to see if they even just get along with the brand over and about consuming it, you know? And those are just mm-hmm. different tactics that you wouldn't think. You'd think that it's a lot it's as they would say it's being extra but when you're investing that amount of time and money on a collaborative effort you want to know that you're not wasting each other's time so that for me is really important so yeah that's a really good uh, good point and i think everyone should make a note of that to be honest so dash in your mind or in your opinion how does using influencers or creators in a space help brands really connect with their audiences? Yeah, um, you know, I, I always go back to this, uh, I call it the title that never existed, Channels of Influence, right? Because I remember <laughs> I interviewed the role, it's like, I can't even research this because there's nothing that exists, you know? It's like, um, what is this? But, you know, jokes aside, you know, literally by virtue of the name Channels of Influence, it's about it living within the ecosystem of your digital. So the same reason why you would use Twitter, it's very conversational or, you know, YouTube, large platform, you're going to an influential people platforms or partnerships to push out your brand comms. But the difference here is that what is proxy for paid media? So yes, for sure, some brands will put paid media behind the influences, and that's a whole other conversation for another day, right? But the most yeah. important thing is whether you put a thousand rand or nothing, it needs to be credible, it needs to be authentic. And I always say this is the true core of influencer marketing. You're merely using another channel to drive comms, but in a more authentic way. It goes back to the early days. I mean, I sound like I'm going back to forefather days. But you <laughs> I know when a new restaurant, like, you know, pre-lockdown days would come up, immediately before even going to Google, I would just go to Facebook and I know that you would see yeah. you know, like an aunt or an uncle or recommended or a friend. And because it was like five people removed from you, you felt like, oh, okay, this is an honest referral. I think Mark Zuckerberg even said something about that at one point, right? So he did. 
yeah. it then influences, you know, say here, I am attached to this brand and this is the comp that I'm putting out. It really helps land a more purposeful and authentic connection. The sad thing though, is this industry has been marred with a lot of, you know, scandal and issues and such like mm-hmm. that. It becomes hard to see the true intent. And that is why it's important for the, the, the I would say the guys that are much more bigger in the industry or the bigger, you know, um, I would say companies. I said the same thing to Sadika, even at Tiger Brands, we we're having a long conversation. I said, it's almost like we all have this duty now to make sure we, we run yeah. with everyone else, you know. <laughs> so it's, it's such an amazing platform. So yeah, to answer your question, I definitely think it has a specific role. It might change time to time depending on the company, you know. But for here and now, I think it's just about getting the right reach out there and using a credible voice. I think you're so right. It is up to the bigger corporates to kind of redeem everyone else's faith in influencer marketing. Because sometimes you say the word and people look at you like you've just sworn. I mean, let's be honest. For me, it was like, okay, the first thing I need to do is, you know, approach the sentiment around influencer marketing and yes. move on to the next mission. But it's a, it's a good thing. <laughs> challenge to take on you know oh it's a wonderful challenge because um you're not fighting something that you know doesn't work we've got such great tools that we can now measure and actually showcase how well it works if it's been done right and i think that's the biggest education job to get out there as well saying um you can do influence marketing have a bad experience but then delve deeper why where did you go wrong and just tweak and tweak and tweak going from there Exactly. And I was just reading up even around the whole influence for good, you know, um, you know, just, I mean, obviously starting through lockdown and now where we are, we've been as, yeah. a, as a team working with the data team and such, just making sure that we understand what is the conversation around lockdown. And there's a big process mm. that happens. And then there's a weekly report that's shared. And I remember reading one around, you know, the misinformation from influencers around, you know, safety practices around COVID. Yeah. You realize it's such a dangerous space because you are an influencer. So by nature of anything you say, you're going to influence. And then I just started, you know, I'm, I'm this is a project that I'm working on internally, just around influence for good, you know. There is a lot that you can do and it's an exciting space. Also around diversity and inclusion, something I am so passionate about. And when you look at those pockets and those elements, you realize that the work that you're going to do, yes, it is for your brand comps, but in April, you're also going to shift a lot of mindsets with it. And I mm-hmm. hope, you know, in the future, that becomes more at the forefront. So, yeah, around the influence for good, I think there's a lot that can be done. And I'm excited to see a lot of our, you know, other brands uh, kind of delve into that space and use these channels to, to push the greater good out. Absolutely. And I think coming back to your point about influencers needing to start being more cognizant that they have a responsibility to these people that listen to them who think that everything they say is credible to also before they post things, just make sure that where it comes from, like it's a credible source. Because during lockdown, I saw some people that I follow some influencers that um, I really rate and they were sharing some information that I was like, guys, this is not true. Please just research a little bit because not everyone is in our space. So we are, it's easier for us to see these things um, where people who aren't in digital or aren't in the advertising space per se would take that face value and it can do so much damage to you, to your reputation, to other people who's following your advice. It's just so dangerous. It is very, very serious space. So how do you foresee um, influencer marketing and digital marketing working closer together over the next year or so? Yeah, I know. Definitely exciting. I mean, you know, I'll have plans, but of course the world shows you otherwise. <laughs> yeah. Twenty twenty. <laughs> But I think, you know, around, uh, so I'll answer this in, in two kind of spheres. So on from the corporate side, right, there's a lot of work that's been done around, you know, publisher mindset. Um, we've seen this even with Red Bull. And 
Apollo, who heads up media at, at Red Bull, and I were having a conversation around it, just around them being such, you know, thought leaders in this space. So I definitely think brands are going to look at more long-term relationships, bigger projects, or whether it's like a Netflix special, or it could even be a branded podcast, instead of just one-off first. I'm not saying those will disappear. I mean, those sponsored posts will always be yeah. right? But I do think conversations are going to happen. And we're going to start like bleeding across channels. So you'll see a lot of these relationships will now come through maybe on TV or radio, um, just really disruptive channels. And then on the influencers yeah. side, and, and this is what I kind of like about my role, because I really get to go and spend time with influencers and creators. And I've just sat with like, you know, some guys in music, as well as in fashion and beauty. And I think it goes back to what I said earlier on, just owned platforms. So for an example, there was a particular person, I'm not going to out their name right now, but they have a channel, but they have a full team. So the content is not out there, but they already know like for the next 16 weeks, this is the weekly drop they're putting out and how it fits in their bigger ecosystem. And this is someone we're just so used to seeing gigging, you know, normally like a, a normal DJ. The fact that I'm so curious. Yeah, said person is actually creating a mini media empire. There was someone else in the fashion space that was talking about, you know, using Instagram as an actual shop to sell certain ways yeah. in a more collaborative method. And I mean, that's when you talk to the likes of your Instagram and Facebook, you realize that these partners really need to start like bringing in creators because that's where you can pilot this new innovation. And then also on the creator side, I'm seeing a lot of business influences, which excites me, you know. So you're seeing yeah. entrepreneurs or maybe they're starting like a side hustle, but just really influencing like on LinkedIn or even just on podcasts. And that for me is a very small market, but very purposeful. So when I look on both sides, if I try to find the golden thread, it definitely is about, you know, having a very purposeful narrative and not just trying to do once or first. Oh, yeah, here's me sipping something. Great. You know, I've got a yeah. page. It's about saying my values are aligned with yours. And the other thing which excites me, and it's something that we're working on, and we've done a bit of it so far, is just positioning ourselves and the tools and the access that we have to help an influencer. So whether it be someone needs to get verified on Twitter or Instagram, or someone needs training, or they need access to um, a person at Google, whatever it is, there's a lot of merit of us as an organization having access to this. So when an influencer comes over to us, we can have that conversation. I remember when I started in November, there was a particular person that came through and, you know, they had like three or four challenges. And I felt so bad because they were trying for the last two years to solve this because they're, they're not an agency, right? So it's not like they're an overview. Yeah. And we, we helped them with like two out of, um, of their four problems. And they just couldn't believe it. They were like, wow, I can't believe that this was done in the space of three weeks. And I realized that we were almost also an agency to these influencers, you know. So it was so exciting. And I hope that grows more. It's definitely what we, we obviously offer as part of when we do our relationships with them. But just giving back and helping them. Because the more they succeed, they're a better partner to us. But then when they leave, they feel empowered outside of a paycheck. That is so great because it's in a true partnership. It's not just come in, do your do your campaign and then leave. They do feel, I would say, then a sense of loyalty to you as well and go above and beyond and really love your brand. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, Desh, you mentioned that um, we will start seeing, and we're already starting to see it, um, influencers being used across channels, not just with their influence marketing on their social media or digital but kind of going across into the out-of-home spaces on your, your TVCs and all of that, um, are you a big kind of ambassador for kind of merging influence marketing, digital and traditional? Yeah, I I mean, yes, you know, because the thing is, and I'm just thinking of this because I went through an issue last year. I was like, why does the brief always end up last at influencer marketing? It's like, oh, yeah. yes. And we need influencers, you know. And this was before I started with Indian I was doing a month of consulting. And I'm like, you call me in now? Now? <laughs> but then, don't you think it's the same as with PR? PR and influence marketing, they literally have like one item at the bottom. And then like when you're three weeks from launching, they're like, oh, 
we need to get the PR and influence guys. You're like, guys, we should have sat at the table from the day one so we could walk the journey together. But in any case, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and that's why, like, even like now, we'll say, for example, the Stella Tour stuff and, and a few other brands that we worked on just prior to lockdown, it's like the brief almost started with influencer marketing because the idea was spot, you know, by, say, for an example, AJ whatever and then of course everyone gets put in and i did a lot of research and just seeing a lot of like counterparts in other markets do it you realize that these briefs actually are started by not even just influencer marketing right so i work closely with sanele he heads up social media and then him and his team might pick up something just via a tweet and then we have something called like a mm-hmm. room where we just have like weekly ideas and then it evolves into a full-on campaign so i think number one we need to stop being elitist as to where the brief starts it doesn't always need to start yeah. with the, the big creative direction and we're shooting the tvc it could literally come from one of the most obscure channels i think the second thing for me as well is that every pa- platform and it comes back to the kpis and objectives fulfills a specific mm. goal but we shouldn't also place too much merit on a traditionally more powerful platform. And I say this, for example, with TV, we've seen this time and time again, you know, uh, when people try to find metrics to measure, for an example, influencer marketing, they'll try to say, okay, so on TV, we would have these ARs and we would measure it in X and Y. So surely, yes, influencer marketing must be the same. It's not. It's bananas and it's apples all part of the same ecosystem i get it but totally different so i think that we just need to learn to play nice together and it also just starts with an education internally so for an example our team if they're out there shooting a tvc for an example they know let me shoot for an example in the specs that would be an insta story if the guys are doing something mm-hmm. very instagram oriented they would say hey should we get behind the scenes that would fit onto youtube if we're doing something with influencer marketing, it sounds so silly, but honestly, like we would say, you know what, let's save these Insta stories. We might be able to use it as evergreen content that the guys might want to pop onto the website, you see. But it only happens when everyone's literally at the table and they understand what you bring to the brief, so to speak. Look, I think that is the ideal way to work. And I think... We have a long way to go until everyone does that. But it's just so advantageous and beneficial to the brand and the influencers if everything flows and there's that golden thread that is so seamless that goes through everything. 100%. You know, we'll get there. Who knows? When we get there, there'll be new challenges, right? But I think as long as we have brave or should I say loud mouths um, asking the questions, which is like myself in every meeting. <laughs> That's fine. We need you guys. Yeah. So, Dish, that actually brings us to the end of this conversation, which was just so insightful. So, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us. No, thank you. I I always say that it's so nice to just to have a seat at the table and to be able to share a bit more behind the closed doors of what we do. Because often you guys do see our campaigns, which we absolutely love. We get the feedback, but just kind of sharing a bit more on the 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 inner workings of the why, you know, why we did such things. And again, transparency is what we're really about. Because as we rise, we need to lift others as well. And I I know there are other brand teams out there listening with the same challenges so if i could have helped one person i am so happy and grateful today and that's exactly why we have this podcast so thank you so much so dish where can our listeners find you online if they want to learn more about you or just see all the cool things that you get up to Sure. I actually was trying to uh, to whittle down my platforms. I was like, I cannot do all the platforms all the time because I just got onto TikTok and now I feel like it's a child that I need to feed, you know. But I would definitely say I am that dish. So everyone's like, oh, that dish, that dish everywhere so that's my handle um also i have a website called the digihype.com and for me it's just a community that i've created with from my agency days to now where just people whoever have questions about digital all encompassing to hit me up uh, i'm all about collaboration so definitely check it out and yeah i'm inspired by you guys so i launched a podcast it's it's dropping in the next two weeks Woo-hoo! and uh, i want to say available in all podcast platforms but 
Yeah, you know the one platform is giving him issues, but I am on Spotify. It's giving everyone issues, Dash. Don't worry. Everyone. I hope Apple's not listening to us and we don't like marketing stuff. Can you imagine they're like shadow banners or something? Like, no. Exactly. No, but it's called Influence Insider, and it's just about, you know, um, bringing a lot of the guys that you would see traditionally as influencers. So each episode, they come in with a challenge, we solve it, and also just the faces that are influential behind your best brands. We've got guys from like Red Bull, Tiger Brands, all of that, just chatting and talking about their approach. And what's really interesting is some of the questions are very left field. So I have a particular influencer from Tanzania, he has 5 million uh, followers, not influencers. Followers, and he basically tells us what it's like to wake up and have your notifications on. You can imagine his battery dies, right? But things like questions like that. So I think yeah, people will definitely binge it. And yeah, I think just stalk me, reach out to me. I'm always up for a conversation. Look, Dash, I'm definitely one of your first subscribers when that that uh, podcast come out. So please keep me updated. It'll be amazing. My advice to the guy with 5 million followers is turn your notifications off. I love it so much. I can't wait. Yes, and everyone definitely follow at that dash on Instagram and Twitter. On Twitter especially, you give out so many good tips for anyone who wants to learn more about just digital marketing. So very good person to follow. Boardroom, and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna tweet that so I don't forget, and then I can try to favorite my own tweets. So for me, it's like a like. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I should do that. I just write things down old school, but I feel like that's more valuable, actually. Just <laughs> oh, no. never do it when you're angry, because yeah, HR will be <laughs> no. <laughs> no, 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 never ever tweet or gram when you're in a bad space, headspace yeah, ever. <laughs> thank you again dash and i hope we speak to you soon again no for sure and when everything is um up and out hope to see all you guys uh supporting us we have a lot of stuff planned for the next year so yeah just again thank you to everyone that supports all our brands we see you we feel you we appreciate you and more so just for giving me this platform i'm really really appreciative of it so yeah thank you Not- Not huge pleasure, but you go and have a great weekend and we'll chat soon. Okay, awesome. Thanks. Bye.